Well, hello, everybody. How are you today? Today is Sunday, October 17th. The moon has been beautiful. Please, I ask you for yourself, for some peace within you. Just look at the moon. I love when I watch it come up. And right now, the craters are really clear. Um, it's not a full moon. It's a little bit more than half, but it's just so big and it's beautiful. Um, I'm getting some tattoos next week and one of them is the phases of the moon on my back shoulders. I'm so excited because God uses those to heal us. If we really embrace it, if we really embrace the power of God with nature, with his creations, if we let go to it, he can heal us. He can fulfill those deepest desires that burn within us. That wholeness, that oneness, that connection with others. All those things we deeply desire but we don't know how to reach, well, you can't do it on your own. You cannot ever, ever, ever. You will never reach those deep down desires that you know are there. You will never do it until you surrender to God. I know. I tried every which way and I failed. You know why? Because I don't know how to get there. I don't know the way. Thus is why God sent Jesus. <sighs> today, you guys, what are we going to talk about today? I already know what we're going to talk about and I'm just going to get to it. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you'll be able to hear the, that is a, a bottled root beer. It's Brechtcher. And it's made with honey. It's so good. I just had the most amazing lunch and this is my treat. I love this root beer. I have one maybe every couple weeks. Anywho, you guys, what I want to talk about today, what I haven't talking about in full detail is my spiritual awakening. And I think it's important because so many people, they say they've had a spiritual awakening, but we never talk about the details, right? And me too. I don't want to talk about the details. Why? Because it was in the details that I looked crazy. And how did this all start? Yesterday, God had me go through some pictures. I have a trunk full of pictures that I've kept since, oh man, I have one of my first pickup in my apartment. I was so proud of moving out on my own. I washed my little, you know, Ford Courier, parked it right in front of my apartment. And my apartment was two blocks from the homeless shelter. So you can imagine the crowd that I had, <laughs> you know, that just walked by. It was awesome though. It was my first apartment. So I parked my truck strategically right in front of the apartment and I took a picture. I still have that picture. Through all my relationships, the two major ones, three, I never lost that picture. And I look back, I'm like, wow, where I started. Well, kinda. So I look through those pictures and what really got me going was I've, I've kept a lot of things and I was searching for stuff for my children, for them to find themselves. You know, I had strategically kind of gotten rid of pictures that contained any of my former relationships 
but I realized that's not healthy. You know, my oldest son, he does have a father, and at some point in time, his father is going to want to have a life with him. So, as I go through these pictures, I'm finding that. Seeing pictures of my grandpa, started crying. My grandma Laura, my grandma Connie. I miss them so much. I miss my grandparents dearly. I loved them. One could say I almost loved them more than I loved my own parents. And I don't know how that came to be, but a piece of me died when they died. And it's still, there's this, you know, when I saw that picture of my grandpa and my grandma, I just wish they could be here today in my life. And then I read my great grandma's obituary and in it, it said, she often prayed for her children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And I was a great-grandchild. And I just started bawling. Because I wonder how many times she prayed for me, knowing what kind of environment I was living in. I wonder if she... I wondered how many times my grandma had prayed for me, hoping that one day I would come to God. Because I got, as I got into my teenage years, I think she knew I didn't believe. I really was numb in this world. And I didn't. I didn't believe a God would do and allow what happened to me. And I thought about those thoughts. I really thought about that in my younger years. Is there a God? I remember being at my uncle's house, Uncle Kathy and Uncle Dave. They had this barn that just had feathers built up around it. And I was picking feathers. I was going to do something with them. And as I was looking at these feathers, I asked myself, is there a God? I was like, no, there isn't. There's just no way. And I left behind that possible belief and just did the things I was supposed to do, like confirmation, go to church, listen to the pastor. Um, but my heart was dead set that there absolutely was no God. So I went through my marriage, which was, 
I tried and I could never fit into a church just to give my children some kind of structural stability of some sort, something wholesome. You know, that's what I always thought. You know, church gives them the wholesome something. Because we didn't have that within the marriage. But I could never fit in. I always resented what they were speaking of from the Bible. I resented it. And I remember thinking about getting a divorce. I must have been somewhere between, and I live in North Dakota, so this was somewhere between Keene and Watford City, out in the boondocks, middle of nowhere, thinking, if I get a divorce, is it wrong? I really thought about that. Does it go against something in this world? Because I was raised, embedded, that divorce is bad. And I turned on... <laughs> turned on a religious station they were talking about divorce you're supposed to help your husband blah 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 and maybe at the time and I know it was I read into it wrong you're supposed to devote yourself to a husband that God has you know brought into your life right because God a man is supposed to do what God does for you when you're single okay like right now God is taking care of me protecting and providing me Back then, my husband was supposed to do all these things, and he was not. But I chose a man outside of believing in God. So, of course, the marriage in itself was unfruitful. When you do things and God is not the center focus, it will crumble every time. Nothing you do will ever last unless God is the focus. Nothing you ever do. Any seed you sow, job you start, it will be unfruitful. You may maintain but internally you will be broken there will be nothing fulfilling about anything you do because it's not founded in what in god you're not allowing god to lead you in those things but i did get the divorce and i look back and i was supposed to get the divorce i had to get up the inner strength to realize i deserved better And through another relationship and we didn't get married in that relationship there was a lot of pursuit of money and materialistic things which was not satisfying not to my soul it wasn't I was not happy I thought I could be happy but I just wasn't There came a point in time after my addiction, you know, and I've thought about that this week. If it was not for my addiction to alcohol, my life would have never fallen apart so that I could find God or God could find me because I was lost. If I would have never done that, if I would have just been mediocre, would have never went searching for something more than what was, I had to destroy my life by becoming an alcoholic. I had to. My life had to crumble. I had to lose it all. And I did. And there was a point in time I recognized the void within myself. I knew it. Standing there in my apartment, just getting my kids back, realizing there was more to life than what was. I had a broken relationship that I can no longer go back to, that 
I was gone. I had no idea how to be a mother on my own. No idea to live on my own. I had been so codependent in a relationship. I had no idea. And I recognized a void deep within inside myself. There was more to life than what I felt. And it wasn't what I had. It was how I felt. There was something within me missing. And as a child, I often knew this when I would look up in the stars. Okay? And I'd always stare at like Orion's belt. That was my thing all the time. I would always look up there and know there was more to life than what was. There had to be. I felt it within my gut burning. It was there. But I never went searching for it as a child because I felt stuck. Now as an adult, as I sat there in my living room, I was bound and determined I was going to figure out what it was. I had nothing to lose. But see, in my mind, in my flesh mind, because I wasn't a believer at the time, had no idea about spiritualism, had no idea about the moon and the universe, how it worked, none of that. I believe this is somehow, you know, people came to be. This was my one life. I was going to do whatever I wanted. If I wanted to try drugs, I was going to try drugs. If I wanted to drink, I was going to drink. If I wanted to party, I was going to party. I was going to do the things that felt good. And that I didn't know what else. That's That was the idea of living life. So what did I start with? I got better at my job. Started dressing nice, doing my hair. Started working on the exterior things in my life. I was more focused on the materialistic things. I tried doing color contacts. I got obsessed about doing my makeup subtly, but yet really perfect. I had to have that perfect winged eye, perfectly done mascara on my eyelashes, you know, the way I dressed, the way I talked. I was working on these the exterior things. It was not anything inner. It was, when I look back, I wasn't working on any inner things. It was all the outside stuff that people saw. And then uh, I got a tattoo randomly. I went to a city. And it was the first time I ever went that far away without a significant other. And I got a tattoo. I got a tattoo of a wolf howling at the moon. And it was where people could see it on my arm. And I never thought I would get a tattoo where people would see it. You know, I was always trying to look good. And I was so ecstatic. I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. And it did something to me. It was like I was free. There was something that shifted within me. And I felt at that point in time, whatever I wanted to do, I could do it. I knew it. Somewhere in me, I knew if I wanted to move, I could move. I could, I'm going to raise my children. It's going to be okay. Again, no spiritual stuff was going on. This is strictly just me thinking logically like some of us begin in this life. We don't know there's a God. We don't know about spiritualism. There's all these crazy ideas that sound crazy out there. I didn't believe none of that. So I went through that, came home, and at the beginning of 2019... I was obsessed with studying human behavior, how to deal with negative people because I was recognizing everybody around me was negative and I was trying to find out how to approach it with my vocabulary, 
how do I talk to a person who's negative? How do I not engage with this? Like how to speak to a narcissist, how to respond to this, how to respond to that. It was an obsession. For weeks, I was just doing nothing but YouTube tutorials of how to deal with people like this. And one day while I'm standing at work, listening to everybody, just watching and listening, it was like an unveiling. And I, I saw myself. I was just like them. This is called a conscious awakening, by the way. If anybody's ever heard that word, that's what it is. You become consciously aware of who you are in this world. It's not about other people. Every time you point a finger at somebody else, those are the things about you you do not recognize, by the way. Just so anybody, that's a reflection of you. When you point the finger at somebody else, look at what they're doing, I can't stand this. Guess what? That's something in you you haven't dealt with too. Because when you point a finger, there's three more pointing back at you. And that is true. Just most people, they will lie to themselves. They will lie. I guarantee there's one person right now. They're thinking about somebody that they don't like. They don't like their behavior. Well, guess what? That's something about you that's true too. That you're not willing to see. And I guarantee that person's going, no, it's not. I'm not like that. And right there, as soon as you get angry and try to deflect, then it is true. And most people who are consciously aware take a step back and go, you're right. How is this a reflection of myself? What specific moments have I displayed this type of behavior? That's when you got to start thinking and asking yourself these things. So I went through a conscious awakening. Oh man, for the next two months, March and February, I did some major changing. You know, I, I broke up with somebody because I was just like so messed up in my head like who I thought I was I wasn't even that person um you know I was trying to cut other people out of my life and I was thinking about everything I did everything I spoke like what was my heart posture I had to stop and think about everything I did and what my intentions were was I actually being a nice person or was I being this old negative narcissistic person that I that I saw myself as controlling So those two months go by and during that time I'm making amends oh, I made so many amends every single person I could think of it was like it was just flowing through my mind you know if I couldn't talk to him in person I was talking to him on Facebook I was calling him on the phone I didn't care what it was I didn't need their forgiveness I just had to admit that I had done this to you and I'm sorry I did it because I was trying to drink or that I didn't understand myself or that I was really angry I did it for everybody and some people they didn't even see it I think I had one person I went to make an amends <laughs> was the person I broke up with and he just wanted to get back right in a relationship with me and I'm like I'm trying to apologize to you he's like I don't need your apology um, I was very confused because that's not what I was here searching for. I'm trying to clear my life and become a better person. You're just wanting to be a caveman. I don't know. It's men behavior. It's 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 people. But um, I was actually proud of myself. I actually didn't didn't succumb to that temptation. 
So I went through all that, making amends. February 24th, and to the surprise of me, this was my ex-husband's birthday. Um, I'm always really good at dates. I remember a lot of people's birthdays that people are like, what, you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. So it was on his birthday. And I had just made amends with my kids' stepfather. You know, all the rotten things I did during my addiction, the drinking, everything, the affair. I finally admitted I had the affair because I could. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't deserve it. Um, and I finally let go. I remember in that moment leaving from talking to him and in my heart I was like I was free it was 2019 and I went home that evening sat on my bed in my apartment building right I'm sitting there at the end of my bed just like wow just thinking about things like I've had all these thoughts in my head like my life is changing like inside of me is changing and I'm not understanding all these feelings and it felt good I finally made amends with him and I'm not I'm not hanging on to him anymore I'm having that moment right now God has brought me through a lot so at that moment I realized I really let him go I wanted him to be happy. I hoped he would find happiness. I really, I meant it. And I mean that for everybody in my life. I really hope you find happiness. I'm not going to bear the responsibility of your behaviors, first of all. Let me say that. But I do hope you find healing and happiness, and you will find that with God. And I let it go, and I just sat on the end of my bed like, wow, I'm so free. Ah. <sighs> And right in that moment, it was like, this is exactly how it happened. It was like I sat up, even though I was just sitting still. It was like I sat up and my vision came out of a fog. It was like I'm in the fog. You know, it was all clear. And then suddenly my vision came out of a fog. And it was like, boom. And what that really was, was my soul was able to connect to my flesh. Okay? And that's why it felt like I was being lifted up. I was. My flesh was being connected to my soul. Hence, the beginning of a spiritual awakening. And I want to read a verse... This comes out of Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. This is Jesus speaking, but the words are in red, so God is speaking through him. Okay, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Okay, What this means is our spirit becomes toxic, you guys. My soul was broken. I'm going to tell you because once my spirit, soul and flesh connected I could feel the pain of my soul I had to heal God had to heal my soul it was broken it was shattered I had no idea so our 
when our soul, when our flesh doesn't live in the terms of what God is asking us to do, our soul will leave it because it is now broken and our soul will go around contaminating everything in this world. I've seen it. Our souls are disconnected. I've seen how our souls are disconnected. It was an unveiling from God. I can see, not all the time, but I have seen souls disconnected from their flesh. And I've seen the distortion of the brokenness. So my soul was finally connected with my flesh. And at the time, I knew it was something I had never experienced before because, whoa, I felt an energy that I had never felt before. It was like I had woken up. And that was the terms I used. I woke up. All of a sudden, I felt these emotions I had never felt before. Gratitude. Gratitude was the biggest one. And through my mind, okay, I was up all night. I couldn't believe it. Through my mind, flashed everybody in my life that had loved me unconditionally. My grandma, Laura. She was one I remember. So I loved her. All my grandparents. Todd and Lori, who were foster parents of my children. They were another big one. And I'm bawling, you guys. I spent the whole night bawling because all I'm seeing is big red hearts. This was my visions. And I didn't know God was pushing this through. But all I saw were these people who had loved me unconditionally and big, like, beating red hearts above their their faces. And I'm just crying because I see how they love me, the moments, the things they did that were meant to bring me to this point of spiritual awakening. So I stayed, I was up all night. I was up all night. These things coming through me that I had never experienced. I didn't know these visions were, they were visions within me. I had never experienced anything like that before. So the next morning, I had to be to work at like 8, I think. I was working at Cadoba's. My poor boss, Colton, probably... I got... <laughs> His mom actually did my family pictures. Anyway, I called him. I 7 o'clock came around and I was like, I got to quit my job. I felt like so vulnerable, like I couldn't go back. I just knew I couldn't go back to my job. So I called him. I've never done anything like this before. I said, Colton, I quit. I woke up. And at the time, I thought I was going to move to Utah. I go, I'm moving by the end of the week. And I'm, I just woke up. That's what I kept saying. He must have thought I was out of his mind. And you know, theoretically, from a flesh standpoint, it looked like I was out of my mind. I mean, who would call and say, well, I woke up? What, from what? What was wrong with you before? Is she on drugs? Is she drinking again? Because see, I came from a history of alcoholism, you guys. So that's everybody's first thought when Christine's behavior changes is that she's been drinking. Every time. I guarantee it. Anybody who knows me and knows my history, if I have a behavior change, the first thing they think of is she was drinking. So I did that. He actually had the district manager, Mike, call me. Like, and I told him, I quit. I'm done. I, I woke up. And he goes, what do you mean you woke up? I 
and I was like, I just woke up. I didn't know how to explain it to him because I didn't understand it at the time. All this stuff was happening to me in my life. I don't know how to explain it. I just, I woke up. So for the next week, that was on a Sunday. Well, I mean, I called my boss on the Monday morning. For that next week, I was packing up stuff in my apartment, throwing away stuff, packing up stuff. It was crazy. It was crazy. And all I had were these visions coming through my mind. I was writing letters to my kids with emotions I had never felt. Things I saw how my behaviors affected them deeply. Okay. So I'm writing all these letters, getting these things together. I was just doing what came to me. And so, uh, Lori, who was one of the, was the foster mom, you know, I invited her over and I was telling her, I was telling her everything, what I was going through. I go, I feel, I feel like, what did I say? I said, I feel like I'm being triggered and I don't, and I broke down because there had been stuff going on too, where the kids were removed from my care a month prior um, because some stuff with Brendan and I and there was just a lot of things going on emotionally and I didn't know who to talk to and so I remember her sitting on my couch looking at me like now I look back and I she did look at me like I was nuts and I probably did look nuts I hadn't slept well I was going I was packing thinking I was leaving I don't know how I was leaving I didn't even have a license you guys I'm gonna tell you right now I didn't even have a license I don't even know if I had insurance on my car no I think I did have insurance I did have insurance. I just, I didn't have a license to drive legally. <laughs> I had no idea how I was going to leave. I had no idea. I had no place to go, but I was going to go. My daughter, she was going to stay and live with Todd and Lori. Excuse me. Because my daughter didn't want to go. She put her foot down and said, I'm not moving with you. And I said, well, I'm moving. And it came closer to the end of the week. And Friday came and I knew something was coming that day I felt I needed to go down into a meditation I had the meditation picked out from Facebook or from YouTube had it saved I was just following what was coming to me right so I had this meditation saved I was gonna do this meditation I didn't know what time I was just gonna do it when I felt like it I asked Lori to take the kids for the weekend because I'm going on this journey I don't know I might be gone in my mind I had no idea spiritually what was going on Maybe my soul's going to disappear. Maybe this. I had no idea. So Friday comes. The kids are going to go over to Todd and Lori's. It's already been discussed. Social services comes over to my house because they've been called about my behavior. Well, I wouldn't let them in. I refused. I said, I don't want you in my home. I wasn't. My children were not in custody of the state. And I told her, I've told you before, you need to schedule an appointment for us to talk and for you to come to my home. I'm not letting you in. Because of priors, when they pulled my kids before, they did it without a court order. The police department here in my hometown removed my children from the school property without a signed court order. So just so everybody understands why I was so upset that day, 
the law enforcement illegally removed my children from the care of the school and the school allowed it illegally and they all knew there was no signed court order. So they all thought I had been drinking and they thought they were going to have me with that and I ended up taking a drug and alcohol test. And they were wrong. So yes, I was very upset at the system. They can just do and and do whatever they want. That's how I felt. You're just going to come and take my children any anytime you want anyway. With or whether you have the legality to do it or not. So when they came to my door, I said, you ain't coming into my home and I don't care and I'm not going to be nice to you about it. Go fuck off. That's basically how I was without saying fuck off, but I wanted to tell it to her face. So she left. And then I have my kids, a stepfather called me from Fargo. And, uh, I had to block him because he had his own issues going that day and I did not want no part of it. Um, But I guarantee if he ever listens to this, he's going to remember that day. And one day he's going to have to answer to God for that. And I hope that he can forgive himself for what he did. Um... The next thing I know, it's in the afternoon. Next thing I know, social services comes back with the police department. I'm feeling immense pressure, just so you guys understand. I'm feeling like immense pressure in my body to do this meditation. I just feel this pressure. Like, I got to do it. I got to do it. I've never felt this kind of feeling before. It was something I couldn't see. And I'm just feeling this pressure, like the world is just coming down on me. And here comes this woman again with the police department. And they're trying to get me to open the door because they think I'm going to commit suicide. That's what they said. I said, no, I wouldn't even open the door. I told them through the door, I'm not letting you in. I do not have to let you in. I'm not going to commit suicide. I verbally stated it several times. They wouldn't leave. They said they had to come into my home. And I knew better, Steve, because the whole time I'm Googling the laws, by the way. The police department think that, that you know, they try to treat people like they're stupid. And this is why citizens don't trust the law enforcement. They try to treat people like they're stupid. They try to act like they're so smart and they try to manipulate the conversation. And the whole time, hello, everybody's got Google. When you start lying to gain control of people, you look like a fool and nobody's going to listen to you. There's no trust there. You think I'm going to believe you? You're lying to me. Why do you have to lie to me? That pissed me off. Still pisses me off. So I called the, I called, who did I call? I called dispatch is what they call it. And I said, listen, this police officer and social services is at my door. I don't have to let them in. I'm not letting them in. I'm not committing suicide. I want them to leave and to leave me alone. She goes, ma'am, well, it'd be easier if you just let them in. I go, I don't have to let them in. I have rights. See, law enforcement, when you sit there and try to shove your authority down people's throats, 
This is why the world turns against you. This is why we have so much problem with people trusting law enforcement. You do things that make people resent you. Because I'm going back to that space and time. I resented law enforcement because of this behavior. Why would I trust you? You lie to me. You try to force your agenda on me. Stop it. And I specifically said, I am not trying to commit suicide. I don't know where they got the idea that I was trying to commit suicide. That was an escape goat for them to try to, what, get into my house and see if, what, I was using drugs? To see if I was drinking? How many times, how many alcohol and drug tests do I have to take? It was getting very old to disrupt my life for you guys. That's, that was the state of mind I was in, by the way. I was so sick and frustrated. And I told the dispatch, I go, I'm not letting them in. You need, you need to tell them to leave because I don't have to let them in. So I let them go. And guess what? The police officer still continued to bang on my door and tell me to let him in. So I had enough. I had enough. I put my headphones in. I paused on your phone you can turn off all the notifications so when somebody calls you it doesn't ring when somebody sends you a messages I turned off every single notification on my phone so all that was going was the YouTube meditation and nobody would disrupt me because the whole time I've got the police department beating on my door I've got my ex he's just blowing up my phone what's wrong with you why are you treating me like this leave me alone why can't people leave me alone So I put my headphones in and when I put my headphones in, I was also texting at the same time because I didn't, I was texting my friend Gina and I was also texting Lori. I didn't know what to do. Like this was crazy what was happening to me. And as I laid down, I could feel darkened spirits. They were dark, they were black and they were wicked and they were floating around my house. Like imagine ghosts going around your house trying to get in to get at you. That's This is like your worst nightmare. That's what it felt like. I could just feel it. You know, they were dark and they were trying to get in and stop me. I knew that was their agenda. They wanted to stop me from going into this meditation, which I linked up with the police department being in there, social services, my ex ringing my phone off the hook. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to relax. I had to relax my body to do this meditation, which was really hard in that moment because there was a lot of intense, like I had all this wickedness trying to stop me. And so my tension was really high. And at the same time, I had to relax my muscles and fall into this meditation because that was the only way this was going to work. And I did. I let go of the idea of those things outside of my apartment trying to get me. And I know I texted it and it probably sounded crazy to Lori and Gina. They're trying to stop me. I remember texting that. They're out there and they're trying to stop me. I know they're trying to stop me. I could feel it. And as I went down and as I relaxed my muscles, I fell into the music, right? It's a different feeling when you when it's meant to happen I didn't force this meditation as soon as I relaxed my muscles my body and my mind just fell into this meditation and I felt my body change 
and it's not like physically I started changing. I'm just saying within the meditation, I felt my body change into the people that I hated in my life that had hurt me, you know. And, you know, one of them was my ex-husband. One of them was my stepdad. And I, I embodied their pain and suffering. See, when my body changed into them, I felt their inner brokenness, their insecurities, their fears, their pains, their sufferings. I suddenly knew their powerlessness, right? And as I went from person to person, it was like a revelation, you know. I'd never experienced this before and I'm crying. And I wish I could go back and have those texts. I wish I had those texts. I think I deleted everything because it did look crazy and I didn't want somebody coming back and having them on me. And uh, after it was all said and done, I was still crying and I felt this immense feeling of forgiveness. I thought it was forgiveness for them. I thought I was forgiving them, but it was God's forgiveness for the entire world. And then, and I didn't know it was God at the, at that moment. I just felt forgiveness. And then I, I felt this love from my soul. And I knew when I first felt it, it was love because I had never felt love before in my life ever. I've never felt it. This was, I felt love. And then came God. Okay. God came down in that moment after everything into my apartment. He told me everything would be all right. Don't listen to people with fears. Trust him. Follow him. Everything would be all right. And I cried. I was crying. And I said, I, I can't believe this because I didn't believe in you. And I'm inwardly searching my heart. I go, I truly didn't believe in God. How is this happening to me? And that whole weekend we went through my photos, right? The same thing I did last night with God. This is a great thing for people to do. Go through your photos with God. Ooh, he'll, he'll take you down memory lane in a way that he'll unveil things to you that are, you cannot see with the human eye. We went through a ton of photos. And he really showed me the depths of some spiritual things that I didn't understand. Connections with people. Things that were things were that were going to come. Um, I did get involuntarily committed by social services to the psych ward. I had to go to court on Monday because I had my spiritual awakening to God on Friday. Uh, Monday, they did file a former complaint of like whatever it was because I didn't answer the door and my children were over at Todd and Lori. I asked them to watch Todd and Lori. So they deemed that I was trying to commit suicide is what happens. This is what social services, this is how they did it. They went over to the local human service center, said, we think she was going to commit suicide. We need to file uh, involuntarily committal to get her into the psych ward. 
I went all weekend in my apartment, by the way. Not a single person called me, but my kid's a stepfather. And he, that's how I found out about the court date. He told me, okay, I'm going to be there. I don't care what's going to happen. I knew at that point everything was going to be all right. Whether, I mean, what were they going to do to me? What could they do? I wasn't committing suicide. So I showed up at court on Monday and they gave, they're saying this and I go, you don't understand. Well, it's hard to sit up there and tell the judge everything that happened. Like that doesn't sound crazy. So what did I say? I said, I'm trying to figure myself out and heal from my addiction. I go, you guys are trying to make me feel bad about something that was really good for me. And now you involuntarily committed me? Like you're punishing me for trying to heal and turn to people. I turn to people to help me with my children. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? So I went to due date. I went two days to the psych ward over in Bismarck, I think it was. I spent a night in the jail, actually. They cuffed me right there in the courthouse. I had to spend a night in the jail. Hooray for Christine. I opened up the Bible. And I think the first thing I read was, Wives, submit to your husbands. Of course God would have me open right to that one. And I was so upset when I saw that verse. I said, I will never submit to a man. I didn't believe in the Bible either. I knew there was God now. I knew that, but I had no idea who he was. Who is this God? What does he do? When does he come around? What is this? My mind was just like, what just happened to me? Because see, God was in my presence and now he was no more. I'm sitting in jail, gonna go to the psych ward. I don't know if I've lost my kids. What just happened to me? This is my mind. I can't tell anybody because they already think I'm crazy. If I tell everybody exactly what happened, they're really gonna think I'm freaking nuts. I've never even heard of this. There was nobody that could explain this to me. Nobody. I had one friend, Gina, who got it. She's just like, Christine, it's okay. And I'm just like, oh. But I really just didn't trust anybody after that. I didn't let anybody close. I didn't talk about anything, nothing. I just got closed in. I tried to figure out who's this God? Where is he? Because after that moment, he was kind of like not really around. It was like he gave me a taste of his love. And then I had to follow these breadcrumbs to find him, who he truly was, which was finding out the Bible was real, going back to jail so that I could stop running away from myself, everything else, you know. All of these things to find out who God was really was. And I took some wrong turns. I did some stuff. And you know what? I'm not ashamed for the things I've done. I will never be ashamed. Because in each wrong turn, I found out who I wasn't, which led me to who I am. And I mean that for anybody listening to this. Every wrong turn will define you and shape you to tell you who you are not and lead you into the direction of who you are. It may take longer. Maybe I didn't follow God exactly like I should have, like I am today, right? Today, it's like I ask him about everything. There ain't no wrong turn. Everything I do is God's perfect design. Everything, everything I say, everything I do, God 
That's what he wants me to do. And I'll do it. I'm that surrendered. I gave him my life. So as I was going through this stuff, it really brought me back to my spiritual awakening. And, you know, I've been, last week we talked about how Jesus was at the mouth of Hades planting God's flag. And I've really dwelled on that. And there is a Hades, you guys. There is a hell. I mean, but we, our souls live in it. And our flesh lives it in, in this life. How do I best explain this? The movie Hercules, the Disney movie, I've always been obsessed with that movie, okay? In the end, when I forgot her name, what her name is, um... It was the girl who had sold her soul to Hades, right? Basically, that was me living in sin. I had sold my soul to the devil, okay? Then there are darker forces at play, you guys. There are just, you either serve God or you're serving Satan. You just have to choose. And you think, those who don't think there's a Satan, guess what? If you serve yourself and your selfish needs, you're serving Satan. He just used that to allure you to make you think you're in control when you truly are not you're a slave to the things of your flesh it's the truth so in that movie towards the end that girl her soul went into this pit of souls and they're just floating around in distortion right it's almost what it looks like when you see distorted souls by the way in, Hades, in um, Hercules where, you know, you got the spinning darkness where he's just, that's where all the souls go, right? You're done. You're done. And Hercules jumps in and rescues her and pulls her out, right? And do you remember when Hades got pushed in there? All those souls tried to grab him down and sink him under? That's what God did for me. When I spiritually awoke to him, when I felt all those darkened souls trying to stop me from rising up and opening myself up to receive God and to allow him to take a foothold in my life even though I didn't believe him, as they were floating around my apartment trying to use fear and intimidation to keep me from going to him. This is just in the soul world right now, you guys. Okay? That's the same thing as in that movie. Okay? These souls that were stuck in Hades themselves. And they, I knew some of these souls were people I actually knew. It was their souls. And I, can, I could probably pinpoint right now a few of them. A few people in my life where I'm like, yeah, your soul was out there trying to stop me. Why? Because they're stuck down there too. And they don't know any better but to crush and hold people back. But this is just their darkened souls right now, okay? We're not talking about the flesh. But God reached down just like Hercules jumped in there and saved that girl. And I've loved that movie. He jumped down in there and he grabbed her broken soul and dragged it up. Right? That's what God did for me. In that very moment, he came down into Hades and he grabbed my soul and he pulled me up and he let me go to figure it out. 
God never made me give my life to him. It was always a choice. But because of what God has done for me, I've seen the devil in his face. I've seen him. I've seen his eyes. I've seen his hatred. I've seen his wickedness. Wickedness. I've seen it. I've seen his eyes. I've seen Hades. I was in it when God pulled me out. I saw it. And I saw the souls within it. And they tried to stop me. But the thing is, you cannot stop God. And because I trusted and I leaned on to the idea that I wasn't going to allow anything to fear me out of what I knew I needed to do. Just like now. All of us. We have people in our lives who will try to crush the goodness in us. They will try to hold us back. And we will sit and ponder and try to wrap our minds around, try to figure them out. Why would they do this? Well, guess what, you guys? They do not know what they do. The thing about people who try to hold you back, the thing about the wickedness in people, they're gone. You cannot help them. You cannot sit there and leave yourself behind to try to rescue them. That is a God thing. Only God can save people out of Hades. And I have to recognize that for myself because there's people I thought I could love out of their darkness. And I could not. I had to walk away because they were killing me. They couldn't help it. They don't see themselves. They may never see themselves in this lifetime. But I cannot drowned what was the one thing this guy told me once when somebody's drowning in a panic they try to drown the person around them right that's trying to rescue them so he told me this was what I was like in my drinking days uh, he told me to watch a video on this how the Navy SEALs rescue a person who's drowning I watched it right I watched the training Persons who's drowning will usually turn around. Just like when you watch the movie Titanic when everybody at the end is drowning and look how panicked they are and they're trying to grab onto one another. Same thing. Spiritually, in our lives, when we are drowning, we will reach out to people. But we're reaching out for help, right? But sometimes we reach out to people who cannot help us. They are in no position to help us. But a trained Navy SEAL, right, will be able to come up around a person, grab them by the, be able to flip them around on their back so that they're facing behind them and be able to grab them by the collar and drag them to safety. Because if they're dragging them, there's no way for the person to really turn around and try to fight them. They let go, they surrender to the rescue because that's what they're really looking for. They're just looking for somebody to rescue them. You know, the irony of this story was the person who told me this was actually trained, I think, in the, in the army, the military. He was trained, the National Guard, something. He served some time. 
So he understood human behavior. He also was trained in um, trauma victims because it was within his job. He dealt with people like this. But when he pointed this out to me, it was about a moment in time when I was drowning and I reached out to help for him and he turned his back on me. And I always look back at that moment like here's a man telling me what I was like when I was drowning. He was trained to rescue me. But he was like the Navy SEAL that came out, saw me drowning and swam back to shore and left me to drown. That's what he did to me. So be careful who you reach out for. Not everybody wants to help you. Not everybody can help you. But when he told me that story and I look back on it today, I'm like, you're trained. You saw me drowning and you turned your back on me. Why? You know why he did it. Because of his reputation. He didn't want to, he had such a good looking reputation. He didn't want to be the man who was seen with a former alcoholic who, you know, kept relapsing and, you know, had lost her kids and had been in and out of jail. They were struggling in life. He didn't want to be seen with somebody like that. It would make him look bad. (sighs) There's a decent human being, you guys. So be careful who you let around you. Really watch their behaviors. So you guys, I've seen God pull my soul out of Hades. Why did God bless me with being able to see all this? I don't know. So that I can share it with you today. Because I was open to receive it, just like now. I am fully surrendered to God. What does that mean, you say, Christine? What does it mean to be fully surrendered? It means I ask God everything. When I get up in the morning, God's the first one I talk to. I talk to him all day long. Everybody that talks to me, there's a reason. There's always a lesson every day where I go. God has strategically placed me where I belong. Yesterday, we had um, a picnic for the AA group. I uh, I didn't want to go, and God's like, you're going to go. And I went. And guess what? I had the most amazing time. I'm finally around people who love me. Because not too long ago, the only people who were around me were people like the man who would see me drowning and turned his back on me. Those were the people that were in my life. Now, here's the thing about that. They themselves are broken. Anybody who turns their back on somebody who's suffering is broken themselves. One way or another. There's something internally wrong that they need to seek God for healing for. But that was the kind of people I had in my life. Now the people in my life, you know, I, I can be me and they lift me up and they let me be me. They don't use me for their selfish purposes. 
I can ask them for help and they don't make me feel like I'm a convenience or an inconvenience. Like, I won't. I used to feel like an inconvenience all the time because that's how, that's the people I was with. I was an inconvenience to them if I wasn't serving them. God is beautiful, you guys. There is a God. And I, I hope you do seek him. And don't wait. I mean, because all you're doing is, I look back and I think of all the time I wasted that I could have had God in my life like he is now. Why did I wait so long to surrender to him? Why? Why? Because I was selfish, because I was scared, because I thought I knew it all. I thought I didn't need people in my life. I thought I could just be happy with the way things were. I thought I knew better. But I was wrong. Surrendering means every inkling that God puts in your heart for you to do. Whether it's to call somebody and tell them you love them. Like last night I was texting somebody. I love you. Like, and everything that I felt that I needed to say in my heart, I said it. You know what? Two weeks ago, I had to write a letter and come out with every... It was this relationship that I had. And I got sick and tired of all these secrets that were being held up in me. And I finally, God created an opportunity and he's like, out it comes. And everything in that relationship had to come out. All of it. It was probably publicly but I don't care because it's not my secret and I'm not holding on to it anymore with fear or shame when God asks you to do something do it that means to surrender surrender whether you don't understand the outcome or not what's the most recent one My God, God wants me to make amends with my father. And I'm going to. I saw pictures of my grandfather last night. And I cried so hard because I wasn't there at his funeral. My grandma Laura. My grandma Connie. I don't want to be like that. And I don't want to teach my children to be like that. Regardless of everything else, I have to make the attempt. So... And that's where God is asking me to be. Whether I believe and understand fully yet or not. And I kind—I mean, I do. It took a while to get there. I'm still doing it. I was doing it regardless whether I understood it or not. Surrender means to surrender. I give God my money. I give God my life, my children, my soul. For the God who pulled me out of Hades literally came down in the depths of hell and grabbed me and pulled me out and lifted me up. He lifted me up and gave me the choice to live the life I wanted. I could have went on doing drugs, drinking. I could still live that life. God would still love me. But I can't. I cannot 
I cannot. For the God that saved my life, I give him my life. Forever. Whatever he asks of me, I will do. His will, anything. Whoever he puts in my life to love, I will love. Well. Whoever is blessed. Anyway. Because women are a blessing to a man. The woman who has given her life to God. The man that is blessed to marry her will be blessed in his life and everything he does will be successful why because that woman puts god first because god is first god will bless that man for loving her protecting her and providing her the way god intended that's a whole another podcast so you guys that was my spiritual awakening. I was in Hades. So when God planted the flag at the mouth of Hades, or Jesus did, that was for me, for you. We're all lost until we ask God to pull us out. And we give him something in return. And not everybody's going to go to the extreme to give in their whole life to God. I know that. But I am. And it's worth it. I'm taken care of for the rest of my life. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about the things I used to worry about. I'll never be alone. I'll never be. My heart will never be crushed. I'll never be used and abused. I'll never have to deal with those things again. Everything else, God will battle for me. And it's a beautiful life, you guys. Those of you wondering, how does a spiritual awakening happen? Well, guess what? It starts with you reaching deep inside of yourself. And making make a list of all the people you have hurt whether you believe it or not start making a list I did do wrong look at yourself in the mirror look at your behaviors start seeing who you are everything you see wrong in other people that's what's wrong with you start recognizing it you have to change you have to become aware of yourself before God can ever take a foothold in your life if you never see who you've become in this world and you think you're so perfect you think you're better than you think because of your job title because of the money you have that you're better than others well guess what you'll never get a spiritual awakening with like that you have to see how messed up you are to think like that and then start making a list of people you hurt everyone every single person then you have to think about how did you hurt them and you need to see yourself in those behaviors you have to take a step back and imagine if somebody had done that to you how you would feel how it would hurt you and then start making an amends a real amends don't I need forgiveness 
just I need to say these things. I did do those wrong things because we do need to start doing that. We need to cleanse our souls of the toxicity of our behaviors. It's the only way you will ever have a spiritual awakening. That's why the AA program works. It's not just for alcoholics or drug addicts. It's for everyone in this world that has a distorted view of themselves. It's a step-by-step process of cleansing your soul so that God can come within, pull you out of the depths of Hades, and help you along your merry way. Mm. So I love you guys. I have two essays to do them. I better get with them. It's a beautiful Sunday. It's so beautiful. This is the most beautiful weekend. Not the most, but it's up there. I don't have a lot of bad days anymore. And I want that for everybody. I pray, I pray that you guys, you know, seek God, invite him in, ask him for directions. Here's a simple one. Get up in the morning and go, God, I'll be open, you know. I'll be open to see where you want me to be. You come in a a juncture in your life. God, should I pay this bill? Should I pay that bill? God, I don't know what to do with this decision. Instead of trying to decide for yourself things in life, start asking God. Lean on to God. He will show you. He will send you confirmation. If you don't hear him directly, he he will confirm through other people and you'll be like, oh. It will blow your mind how God works through others. But you have to lean on to God. God, what should I do about this situation? If you have a conflict with another person, ask God to show you what you should do with that situation. Start asking God for everything. That's what you do. That's how you surrender. God, what do I do? God, what do I wear? God, how do I spend this money? God, what do I do? I want to do something. I just don't know what. God, should I keep this picture? Should I throw that? today. God, should I buy some soda or should I not? What did I tell God today? We had a church dinner and I go, God, I really want to sit next to this one lady. I go, if you're, it's meant to sit next to her, please keep that spot open. I was like, please, please, please. As I was standing in line, I was like, but if it's not meant to be okay, I'll find somebody else to sit next to. Guess what? That spot remained available. And I got to sit next to her and it was really nice. Start asking God for things. If the door doesn't open, it's not meant to open. And praise God for that. You know, it's funny, I'll leave, I'll leave with this lasting thing. After God pulled me out of Hades, right? I had to ba- battle Satan on a whole different level through the flesh. Because see, God worked through others physically in the physical realm people to hold me back particular the one the man who told me to look up this navy seal video about somebody drowning you know he turned his back on me while i was drowning see satan used him to try to hold me back from god man let me tell you God ripped me right out of that too 
<laughs> and Satan can't touch me anymore. He will never have a foothold again. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. God won the battle in me. And how beautiful. And it's funny how God will work through others. And see, Satan knew my weakness. My weakness is to feel bad for a misunderstood man who plays the victim. Poor me, I just want to be loved. That was his story. I'm just psycho, I need to be loved. Well, guess what? Nobody wants to love a psycho. You need to change. Or nobody's ever going to love you. And people like that, they damage people all the same around them. Like that man treats every woman the same. He played them. Unless, you know, I'm sure if they were just work people that, you know, he had to pretend to. But he played all women the same. He did. He talked about his exes. As he would talk about his exes, I would sit there listening to the stories and he'd go, but they were probably cheating. That's why they said those things to me. And I would look at him and go, no. And I didn't know how to say it to him. And I didn't, and I, sh I wish, I wish I would have said this. The reason they said those things is because they're true. You're an asshole. You're a brick wall, emotionless, you don't know how to share, you're selfish, you're so selfish. And he would sit and still blame the other woman. And I'm sitting there looking at him telling me these stories like, but she wasn't cheating, she was trying to tell you the truth, and you're over here deflecting it on her? But see, you know, that should have been my red sign to walk out, and it took me forever to see, so... Yay for Christine and her poor choices. So I do love you guys, and I hope you have a beautiful Sunday, and God bless.